Good morning, NFL fans, and welcome to another edition of Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb, and unlike um, most of our weeks, we're not going to start with the Sunday night matchup, but go to a matchup that was a little bit earlier on uh, Sunday's action, as week six proved once again why everybody, uh, or maybe not everybody, but why everybody out there listening, at least, to my show, why we love the NFL. There's plenty of... Uh, exciting moments once again, and surprising moments where you just see a score. Um, it, when you look at the just the box scores of the games on Monday morning or late Sunday night, and you just turn your head a little bit as you're so surprised at that outcome. Have were quite a few head twisters in Week Six, so let's get right to it. The first one, the New York Jets defeated the Indianapolis Colts soundly, 35-9. to I say that's a little bit of a head twister just because of the way the Jets were able to dominate the Colts really in all facets of the game. Uh, the Colts were coming off a big win against Green Bay. Of course, it was a very emotional win, uh, winning for their head coach, Chuck Pagano, who, if you haven't heard, has uh, leukemia, has been diagnosed with that cancer, and is is in the hospital in Indianapolis fighting that disease. But coming off that win, the Colts playing in just their second road game. They didn't do so well in their first road game, the first game of the season in Chicago. The Jets' third home game in a row. They had lost the two previous ones to San Francisco and then, of course, the Monday night game against Houston. So this was a really big game. For the Jets, some people were saying that it was even a must-win, uh, trying to get momentum going into New England on the road for next week, and they will certainly have a lot of confidence going into that game. Sean Green was the big player of the day. They ran him 32 times. He got a total of 161 yards and scored three times. A career day for Sean Green. And for any of you out there that believe there's no place for a running game in the NFL anymore, Take a look at the Jets' performance on Sunday against the Colts. It's not something that every team's going to be able to do. It's not something that the Jets are going to be able to do every week. But they ran Sean Green 32 times. They mixed in Joe McKnight, uh, who actually left the game because of uh, some injury issues. But he had a tremendous run of 61 yards, had three carries for a total of 71 Yards. Uh, Bio Powell had a couple carries. Tim, you mix in Tim Tebow, and then again Sean Green for over 30 touches. Tremendous day running the ball for the Jets. Dominated time of possession, and the Colts. You know they're going to go as far as Andrew Luck takes them. Unfortunately, putting all the pressure on the rookie, but that's the way the Colts, the their team works and their offense. How that offense works, um, with the quarterback being the focus. That's the way it was with Peyton Manning. That's why they were so horrible last year because they had no quarterback. Andrew Luck is—he's—he's he's learning. He—he's doing very well, um, but came kind of back down to earth after last week's great comeback against Green Bay. The Jets are much better uh, defense than Green Bay. It was a—it was a road game for the Colts, 
44 attempts, a lot, a lot of attempts for Luck in, er, in the early going of the season. He had over 50 against Green Bay and now over 40 against the Jets. Only completed 50% on Sunday, was sacked four times and threw two interceptions. Actually threw a third interception that he got lucky. It was a pass interference call. Uh, or maybe he wasn't so lucky. Maybe the interception wouldn't have happened without the pass interference. But um, the Jets actually had two, two defensive touchdowns. Um, on returns that were overturned because of penalties. So I guess it could have been a lot worse of a score or a lot more impressive. But the, the Jets' defense really showed up in this game too. Didn't give up a touchdown and caused four Colt turnovers, which in the previous three games they only had three turnovers total. So a, a big day for the Jets' defense. Of course, we've seen their special teams have been able to shine uh, for most of this season. They had a kickoff return on Monday night, and uh, they, they the special teams did well again today. But I think it finally came all together on defense, getting turnovers, getting pressure on the quarterback with that defensive line, of course, focusing on that rookie, Quinton Copels, who played very well today. Uh, Mark Sanchez and, and the offense, of course, that running game, but Mark Sanchez as well uh, threw two touchdowns. Went 11 for 18, uh, only for 82 yards, and a lot of people are probably going to be like, "Well, why would you know, not enough yards in the passing game?" But you know what? It works for the Jets. This is the type. This is the way they should play. This is the way they're going to win games. Their defense has to step up, play better, rely on that defense, rely on Sean Green in that running game. And I, I think the Jets could go places. It's a wide open AFC. Uh, the, the Patriots lost today, as we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, so even the AFC East is open for the Jets. But if they end up trying to fight for that wild card, man, the AFC is wide open. Teams like the, the Steelers, the Bengals that were both in it last year, the Broncos who were in it last year, the, those are all teams that are 500 or below, or the Broncos have still played uh, on Monday. So we'll see how they do. But just... Overall, the AFC is just a wide-open conference this year um, for for the divisions and the wild cards. So the Jets are right in the thick of things at 3-3. Three and three. So let's move on to that Sunday night game, that matchup between Green Bay and Houston. Uh, we, we talked last week on our show about um, watching NFL uh, on Sunday or if you should watch the baseball playoffs. So I personally, I watched a little less football this weekend because of the baseball playoffs. Uh, the NLCS and ALCS both kicked off this weekend. NLCS uh, first game was on Sunday night. Of course, all of you New York listeners, if you're a Giants fan, actually had to choose between watching the Yankees or watching the Giants, uh, which interesting uh, choice there if you, if you root for both those teams. But um, anyway, going back to the Sunday night game, that was on during the National League Championship Series. No conflict of interest for same city teams. as That was the Cardinals and uh, Giants. Of course, San Francisco Giants. But anyway, in football, Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball all over the yard, tossing for six touchdowns, 338 yards, 24 for 37 on his attempts. Uh... That's a nightmare for anybody who was playing against Aaron Rodgers in fantasy this week, uh, putting up over 50 points in your standard fantasy football league, uh, not counting the 
number of points he could have gotten from completions as well, depending on your league scoring system. But yeah, that that is just frustrating if you're playing against him. But if you're the Green Bay Packers, hey, this is a team that was undefeated. They're five and zero. They they looked impressive on Monday night. Nobody could stop J.J. Watt, and uh, you're going into their house, and you you handed it to them. Uh, you know, there's there's still more work to be done on uh, the Packer defensive side, but holding Aaron Ro- uh, excuse me, holding Arian Foster to 29 yards on 17 carries. Is something that the Packers can really put their hats on. Uh, they, he did score two touchdowns, so he ended up, you know, being a star for the Texans overall. But and, uh, it was a, just a great night for Green Bay all around. Six touchdowns thrown from Rodgers, obviously, is is a great night, and um, three passes picked off. So we saw a little bit more of what they were last year, giving up the yardage, but. Uh, getting the turnovers and giving your offense a real chance of scoring. Of course, Green Bay didn't give up that many yards compared to what they're used to. Only gave up 321 total yards Sunday night to the Texans. So that, that that's a pretty good number. I, I think the Packers should be really happy with those those totals. They're, they're still trying to establish a running game. Alex Green was their leading rusher on Sunday. 22 carries, 65 yards, so a modest 3 yards per carry average. But they're working James Starks back into it. He hasn't had much playing time because of his injury. Had five carries. And when Aaron Rodgers throws the way that he can and he's getting protection, the Packers are tough to beat. So I, even though their their record wouldn't indicate that they're a great team, their record right now is 3-3. Three and three. This was a big game for the Packers. A big game um, already in Week 6. The, they had... They were in danger of falling to two and four, and really falling behind the Bears and um, the Vikings, who are both surprises uh, towards the top of the division. So this was this was a big big win for the Packers. Get back to that 500 mark and and keep up with the other powers of the NFC. And we're gonna go over one more break, uh, one more game before we go to break. Uh, a surprise, another head twister. The New York Giants go into San Francisco to uh, have a rematch of the NFC Championship game, and they destroy the 49ers 26-3. The 49ers actually score first with a field goal, and then the rest of the scoring is the New York Giants. Eli Manning threw a touchdown pass, Ahmad Bradshaw ran for one, and then Lawrence Tynes, four field goals. And I think the big story from this... Alex Smith throws three interceptions. And that's something that we just don't see very much. The 49ers turning the ball over. We saw in the NFC Championship game on special teams. But today, uh, we we saw Alex Smith cough it up three times through the air. It's something that you got to question now. It's happened twice where 49ers have had hiccups. The first one was on the road. So that was a little bit more understandable in a tough place like the Metrodome. But this one at home, yeah, they're playing a great team, the New York Giants, but Alex Smith uh, unable to take care of the ball. The defense gave up 342 yards of offense. They did not get any turnovers. Gave up 116 yards rushing to Ahmad Bradshaw. So the team that everybody thought would be unstoppable, the team that everyone was already putting into the Super Bowl, the 49ers, 
you know, the New York Giants had wanted to have nothing to do with that. They made a real statement and said, hey, we're the defending Super Bowl champs. We're the defending conference champs. So they really handed it to San Francisco, and they have, they have some work to do, especially in a tough division this year out in the West. Arizona's in it. The Rams aren't that bad. The Seahawks are in it. The Seahawks got another big victory today over New England. So that's a tough division. If they're not careful, you know, they're going to be competing for a wild card. So uh, Super Bowl favorites, the 49ers, um, they, they have some work to be done. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back with some other action from Week 6. Welcome back to Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. And we're going to go to a recap of Thursday night's game. Uh, the Steelers visiting the Tennessee Titans. The Titans pulled off the upset 26-23. to let's, let's start with the winning side. The Titans, a team that you know, a lot of people don't, don't think is very good, not a very talented team. Of course, the backup quarterback, Matt Hasselbeck, is starting for the injured Jake Locker. The key to this game really came in the second quarter when the Titans were able to block a punt and recover the punt on the one-yard line, the ball the ball on the one-yard line. And uh, that really changed the momentum of the game. That gave the the Titans the lead. And they, they did give up the lead and had to come back at the end. But th- this was a game that, you know... It, the, the Steelers came off a big win uh, over Philadelphia, and you're always wary of a short week. You're playing an opponent that's not as supposedly not as good as you. You're on the road, so it, it's just all spells disaster. And um, right out of the gate, the, the, the Steelers weren't able to put away the Titans. They stuck around. Actually, the Titans led at halftime, and um, even in the fourth quarter, uh, the, the Steelers were able to take a seven-point lead, but when the Titans got the ball back, they were able to score um, and ultimately come up with the victory. So for, for Pittsburgh, this is a tough loss. They've, they have now have three losses all on the road. Uh, they go back on the road next week against Cincinnati, so that that's a, their first division game, which is going to be tough. Um, and they're sitting at two and three. They, as I said earlier, it's a wide open AFC, but uh, they got to get moving. They really got to get moving, and unfortunately, the injuries are starting to pile up for them. Uh, Mendenhall, who they just got back, uh, did something ruptured his Achilles, was what the report said. Uh, haven't heard anything new, but he he could be out for an extended period of time. They've they in this game they lost three offensive linemen. And not to make excuses for the Steelers' offense, but it's tough to do anything on offense when you don't have an offensive line. It, we, fans have seen it time and time again in Pittsburgh the last few years. There's no offensive line. And already the Steelers are without their young guard. They just drafted David DeCastro because he got injured in training camp in preseason. So they're already down one guy, essentially, 
going into the season. And then on uh, last Thursday, they lost three more guys during the game, including the all-pro Marquise Pouncey, the center. So a really tough game, but but yet the Steelers had a real good chance of winning up 23-16 to midway through the fourth quarter, and the, and the defense blew it. You can make excuses all you want about the Steelers unable to run the ball, um, no offensive line to protect Ben or, or, or to establish a running game. I think this is a team, to be honest, that has a little bit of an identity crisis. I think they want to throw the ball a lot and put the game in the hands of Ben Roethlisberger, but but then at the end of the game, that they, they want the, the, the game to be back in the hands of the defense, and it, they can't really have it both ways. Um, you're either an offensive team that goes out and tries to score and outscore people and keep scoring, or you're you're a team that tries to win ugly and and hold opponents um, to low scoring. And I don't know. Just through through the first five weeks, I've I've seen every Steeler game. It, it seems like. They're a team that they want to rely heavily on Ben Roethlisberger. They want to mix in the running game when possible and, a, and have an effective running game and have a good defense, obviously, which they've had in the past. But that defense just isn't quite as dominant. It doesn't get as much pressure on the quarterback. So when the game is on the line, it, the defense isn't quite as reliable as it's been in the past. So it, it's it's been a frustrating few weeks for, for the Steelers, they have alternated wins and losses the whole season, starting 0-1, then 1-1, 1-2, 2-2, now 2-3. And, and they will have a tough uh, division game coming up this coming Sunday night uh, in Cincinnati, looking still for that first road victory. Now I'm going to get you the other scores from around the NFL. Like I said before, there was some really exciting action. The Miami Dolphins were able to defeat the St. Louis Rams. That's a big win for the Dolphins. As I mentioned before, the Rams have been pretty competitive this year. Of course, uh, Jeff Fisher, the head coach of the Rams, turned down the Dolphins' job. So that, that could be rewarding. That was a rewarding game, I'd imagine, for the front office of the Mi the Miami Dolphins. A big game in Baltimore as the Ravens were able to hold off the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, the Cowboys were trying to mount a comeback late, but uh, a failed two-point conversion, and the Ravens were able to hold on for a 31-29 victory. A thriller in Philadelphia as Detroit comes back against the Eagles and wins in overtime, 26-23. There's more drama in Philly about Michael Vick and perhaps moving on without him in 2013. There's stories about it on yahoo.com i'm sure there will be more popping up on our website football nation the cleveland browns are able to get their first victory of the season they defeated their counterpart ohio team 34 to 24 the browns uh I've, I've watched the browns game against the ravens on thursday night a few weeks ago and that was just they're just a team that has been fighting hard i will say they're, they're not very good they're very young inexperienced but they have been playing hard for Pat Shermer and a very rewarding win for them against their cross-state rival. Tampa Bay put a beating down on Kansas City. Of course, Kansas City was playing with their backup quarterback, Brady Quinn, but the Buccaneers defeated the Chiefs 38-10. The Atlanta Falcons are now the only undefeated team left in the NFL. They were able to hold off the Oakland Raiders 
and win 23-20. to The Raiders actually tied the game at 20 inside of two minutes in the fourth quarter. But once again, the Falcons at home drive down for that winning field goal. Matt Bryan has a golden foot for the Falcons so far this year. As I mentioned a couple times earlier in the show, the Seattle Seahawks pulled off a big upset against the New England Patriots. It was a road game for the Patriots, but you were expecting Brady to get back on track after uh, a couple wins as of late, but the Seahawks edged the Patriots 24-23. An overtime thriller in Arizona. The Bills defeat the Cardinals 19-16. And in Washington, the Redskins defeat the Minnesota Vikings 38-26. We're going to take a break, and then we'll come back with our fourth and long segment. No one knows what it's like to be the bad man, to be the sad man, behind blue eyes. No one knows what it's like to be hated, to be faded. And we're back here on Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. Just want to remind you, if you want to get a hold of me to have a conversation about football, or if you have a comment about our show, you can email me at dmholcomb06 at gmail.com, or you can even tweet at me, dmholcomb is my Twitter handle. You also can get other great news from footballnation.com and other articles that I write, including this podcast is posted, on this Facebook page entitled Dave's Football News. You should check it out if you do have a Facebook. We're going to move into our fourth and long segment now. I'm going to start off with an article written by Amin Arkidat. Excuse me, Amin, if I'm mispronouncing your name. But uh, he wrote an article about the Atlanta Falcons, as we already mentioned, going 6-0. and they survived a scare against the Oakland Raiders and won on a last-second field goal, 23-20 to to remain undefeated. And that This article is in the series, Hero and Zero of the Game, uh, a series that is an article idea that's written about every single game every week. So in, in this article, Amin goes in to talk about how the Oakland Raiders defensive coordinator, Jason Tarver, was who he thought was the zero of the game and with, with Less than two minutes left, the Falcons had the ball and were driving down for that last-second field goal. The Raiders only rushed three and dropped eight back in coverage. Uh, when the whole, the whole game, they were having success putting pressure on Matt Ryan with more than three um, and actually intercepted three passes off Matt Ryan. So my statement, dropping back eight and rushing three for the Raiders on the last drive of the game was a good idea. Punting that away. I think that was a bad idea. It's easier to say now than, you know, during the game, obviously. But teams do this all the time. It's a classic prevent defense. And you know what? Sometimes prevent defense does exactly the opposite of what you want. It's it's easier to play prevent defense when you don't want to give up a touchdown. But when when the other team can win with a field goal, especially a 55-yard field goal from Matt Bryan, which I believe is what the field goal yardage was, uh, you can't really play prevent defense because once they get down to the 35-yard line, 
that is a makeable field goal. Actually, they didn't even get down on the 35-yard line. They got inside the 40, and that was in Matt Bryan's range. So it's hard to play prevent defense. It's easy. Uh, like I said, it's easy for me to second-guess on Monday morning than you know, the, the coach in the heat of the moment deciding on Sundays. But I, I just feel like teams get away from what they are trying to do uh, throughout the game. You've had success stopping Matt Bryan. You've intercepted three passes. Statistically, this was Matt Ryan's worst game of the year. Why would you change your strategy? It's, it's a good question, I think, for defensive coordinator Jason Tarver. Moving on to a game that was between two teams with only one win, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers soundly defeated the Kansas City Chiefs, as I mentioned in the previous segment. But I think the big news from this game, and I got it off of... Uh, Wesley Van Anden's article entitled uh, Five Things We Learned from the Tampa Bay Smashing the Hapless Kansas City Chiefs. This game was blacked out in the Tampa Bay area uh, because the game was not a sellout. And I, I think there's been a lot of discussion about that, whether uh, fans should be punished for not buying uh, season tickets Personally, I've always been a fan that never goes to games. You know, I very seldomly go to games. And to be honest, I don't enjoy going to the game all that much for how much they cost. Uh, when you can watch every game on TV and enjoy it from your home and you can see every replay. Yeah, I think you see every play better on TV and you can see every replay, as I mentioned, and you learn more about your team with the play, more you learn more of the players' names with stats popping up on the television. Not that the commentators are always the most knowledgeable uh, in in the world, but you you do learn quite a bit from listening to the commentators, and you don't get that uh, when you go to the game. I, it's a great experience being there. You can always say you were there for that win or or whatever, but. Um, I, I personally, I've always enjoyed watching the games from the comfort of my own home. So to hear about uh, a game being blacked out because you know there's not enough fans, and and in this article, Van Anden actually said, you know, he thinks that it's a deserving punishment because these are fair weather fans um, that don't want to go to the game. I don't know if I completely agree with that, but anyway, the the statement that I'm going to say the punishment of blacking out a football game in a local area because that game is sold out is justified I'm gonna punt this away I, I'm gonna disagree with Van Anden lots of they're, they're just because they don't want to go to the game or can't afford to go to the game doesn't mean they are fair weather fans it is pretty expensive to go to games now not just the tickets but you have to pay uh, to, for gas to drive there, you have to pay for parking, you have to pay to get there even if you don't have a car or, or whatever. Um, and then if you buy any food, you don't have to buy food, but generally if you're there for five or six hours because you get there early, you're going you're gonna to have to bring food or buy food. So, and, and I also think, to be honest, this is counterintuitive for a football team. You're trying to get fans into the stadium by blacking out the game, I think you're doing the opposite. You're turning the local market away from the team because they're not on television. So, I, realistically, do you think people at home say, oh, the game's blacked out this week. I must, I, I'm going to buy tickets. No. 
they're going to say, all right, the game's blacked out. I'm going to watch another game. I'm going to root for a different team, or I'm, I'm going to do something else besides football. And I think the NFL possibly are losing fans from this idea of blacking out local markets. I, I, I think it's a bad idea. I, I think NFL fans think you know that they're not making as much money, so they black out the game to try and make more money. But I think in the end, they actually make less money because think of all those fans that you turn off that eventually they're going to buy merchandise and maybe they'll buy a ticket uh, to go to a game later on in their life or whatever. But the more fans you have, the more money you're going to make. And I think blacking out games, you're turning fans away, which the NFL and NFL teams should not want to do. And to close out our fourth and long segment, we're going to go to that Philadelphia Eagle game. Like I said, many articles will be written about Michael Vick, his performance so far this year for those Eagles. And this article written by Michael Quinn, he has a list of five studs and five duds from Sunday's game for the Philadelphia Eagles. The number one stud and dud, Michael Vick. And then that's just kind of the season that he's had so far. He's been a stud and a dud. He's had some great numbers. Sunday against the Lions, he went 28 for 46, 311 yards, two touchdowns. But the turnovers, again, he can't take care of the ball, and it's costing his team. And this was a game that the Eagles should have had. They had it all the way, basically. Had the lead late and, and blew it. Uh, to a team that, to be honest, I, I haven't been all that impressed with the Lions this year. I haven't watched that many of their games. I saw their game against San Francisco. Detroit has lost to teams like Tennessee. Um, they they've they just don't look like a playoff team. They've made a lot of, of mistakes and have really struggled, I think, in the early going. And this is a big win for them. But my my statement, anyway, getting the, back to Michael Vick, Michael Vick should be benched for the Eagles' backup quarterback. Of course, that backup quarterback being Nick Foles. I'm going to punt this away. Now, look, I think the Eagles are becoming the Jets of the NFC. They're a team that's very talented, that underachieves. Um, I guess in that way, the Jets are kind of... I feel like the, the Eagles are becoming the Jets of the NFC with all the, the media hype and... and questions about their quarterback every single week. Um, Michael Vick's your guy. I think unlike, uh, I, I think in New York it's the same. Mark Sanchez is your guy for this year. It's, he's got to be. And I think the same as Michael Vick. The, this is a team that's now 3-3. Three and three. Um, they're, they're struggling. Um, when, they, when they beat the New York Giants, they, they, that improved them to 3-1, and one, so you thought that they would... Um, be in a pretty good spot to win the NFC East, and and the Eagles always get better as the season goes. Now they've dropped to three and three. Now they're to be honest, they're going to struggle to get a wild card spot. But Michael Vick's your guy. Like I said, Andy Reid Eagle teams always get better as the season goes. This will get better. I I really think it will. And the Eagles could go on another tear in December. Like even like last year, the team wasn't very good, and they were able to win their last four games. Yes, is Michael Vick playing badly right now? I, yes, he, I have nothing to say about that, but he's your guy. He's your guy. He's At least for this year. Maybe not next year, but this year, he's the man. So that's all we got for the fourth and long segment. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back and wrap up today's show. I'll tip my head to the new Constitution Take a bow for the new best 
we don't get fooled again. And we're back here on Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I am your host, Dave Holcomb. One more time, I'd love to hear a comment from you, or if you want to just talk about football, I'd love to do that as well. Email me, dmholcomb06 at gmail.com. You can tweet at me and follow me on Twitter at dmholcomb. And you can also get some other great news from footballnation.com and other stuff that I write at Dave's Football News on Facebook. So that just about does it for today's show. Uh, if you're listening on Monday, the game tonight, the Broncos versus the Chargers is a big game out there in the AFC West. Very well could decide who ends up winning that division. I think one of them will, and I think the other one will get a wild card. As I was trying to say before, that other wild card spot in the AFC is wide open. But anyway, I hope everybody has a great week. It's the middle of October. The leaves are starting to turn, football is starting to get more intense, and of course, we have the MLB playoffs. Enjoy all the games this week, everybody. I'm going to go try and find some peace in my mind.